your Bibles out, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Now, we're going to be in this portion of Scripture for the next four weeks. Pastor, why so long? Because I think there's a bunch of things in here that we have overlooked and missed. We have grabbed certain pieces of this Scripture, and we've applied it, but we've missed the fullness of the Word. And I want to make sure that you have it. This morning, I want to start by reading a bit of Scripture to you. A section of scripture that we will be focused on for the next few weeks. A section of scripture that speaks to the current conditions of people and their lives in this season. Isn't it always weird that you can go into the word sometimes and find out or see what somebody has said that actually speaks to the moment you exist in right now? Almost as if it's not a 2,000-year-old document or it's not a thousands-of-year-old document. It's actually a current document. I don't know if you realize this. Sometimes I think people miss this. This Bible is very current. It is not for the days of old. It is for today. This word is a word for you today. And as I was reading, God began to show this to me. And I'm like, whoo, this is powerful. So let, let me read this to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And while you, some of you are still turning because I still hear your paper flipping. And if you're looking at the table of contents, it's okay. You're not going to hell. God still loves you. Amen. But while you're still turning there, let me help you with this. Rabbinic tradition says that this text was written by King Solomon. But other theologians say it is just a narration or a poem of a wise king on the conditions of life. So whichever way you want to do it, whoever wrote it, it doesn't even matter because the theme throughout this book is that life is fleeting. And it gives advice on life together with reflection on its problems and meaning. So whoever wrote this text began to describe the conditions of life at that time or at this time. But look and listen what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Watch this. Just, just, this is craziness. It says again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. It says, again, I observed all the oppressions that take place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. So I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. But most fortunate of all are those who are not yet born, for they have not seen all the evil that is done under the sun. Then I observed, watch, here it comes, that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless like chasing the wind. Verse 5 says, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind goes on in verse 7 and says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. Here's where it gets good. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This morning, I want to lead us into this new series that I've entitled, Better Together. In a season, in a timeline of such divide, this 
has to become the clarion call of the church as a whole. Because if you do not think that the enemy is on assignment to pick each one of you off and to isolate and separate us from being stronger together, you have lost your mind. He put us in homes and separated us out of the church. He, he caused us to get upset with each other over political opinions and thoughts. He has caused us, if you're either too loud or not loud enough, we have completely desensitized ourselves and walked away from the things of God to take on the things of man and call it godliness. There is no better time than right now for us as the body of Christ, as believers, as the church, to come together. And let me help you with something. This is not the first time a preacher's ever said this. Can I be honest with you? We say it every year. And for some reason, we never can seem to do it because we are too caught up in the culture rather than the kingdom. We are too caught up in the news rather than the good report. We are too caught up in what everybody else wants us to believe rather than what God renewed our minds to believe. We are too busy trying to appease the masses and yet re-crucifying Jesus all over again. He, he, there's no better time for us to come together, not just to assemble, but to come together under the same banner. And that is the blood-stained banner of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is time now more than ever to put away your rose-colored glasses, your opinions, your definitive cancel culture statements, and be reminded that there is one thing that brings us to this place today. This is not a voting booth. This is not a protest. This is not a divided house. This is the house of God. And you and I, regardless of our differences, that we might have a because of two things, the God we serve and the fact that when we join with each other, we are better and stronger together. If all you did this morning is get up and put on your good looking clothes so you could play church, you have missed what this is about. You are in the house of God for one purpose because God will give you strength and there is somebody sitting next to you that will gird up with you and walk with you and believe in you and encourage you and strengthen you in the things of God, not the things of themselves. Where did the church go wrong where we stopped strengthening each other, where we do more of this rather than this? We do more of this rather than this. We have more opinions and more judgment than we do declarative statements of faith and the kingdom of God. Well, if I was a pastor, I'd have done it this. You're not. And I would encourage you to try. Because there's... You know what's really hard sometimes is being the pastor. Because everybody's got opinions about how much better they would do it. But that only usually comes from the ones that don't do anything at all. Nah, you shouldn't have let me take a Sunday off. Y'all know that y'all messed up, right? The people who come up, well, if I was the pastor, but you're not. And you didn't sign up for that position. But how about this? Instead of telling me where I'm wrong, how about you joining forces with me so that we can reach more and take more from the kingdom of darkness? How, how about we become a family and a team rather than a church full of people who are just going to listen to words and go home and spit them back out? That we'll actually take them and apply them to our lives. That we'll get over ourselves and realize that when you, gain, when you gained Christ, you died. 
your flesh died, your life died, and you found new life in Christ. And that life that you have in him is not your own. It belongs to him. And you're now you're used according to his purpose and for his purpose. And so that the world can know that he's alive and well. Listen, when I gave up my sinful ways, when I gave up my flesh, what I said was, God, when you take this away, you got to give me a new assignment. Brian, Brian here's my assignment. I need you to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the good news. Well, pastor, that's your assignment. No, baby, that word is not just for Brian. That was for you too. To take the word and deliver it. To take the word and deliver it. Not your opinions, not your thoughts, not your mixed matched of scripture so you can appease the masses or make them feel good about their sin. No, to really declare the kingdom of God. To really deliver the fullness of the word of God that actually causes offense or the word change for people to leave their pain and walk into their promise. The terminology better together is nothing new, but it's not popular preaching in today's church. In most churches today, we are just punching a clock and letting God know that we've done our time in hopes that it'll be enough to enter. And when we're all done, we end up missing what makes us better. But what if I told you that the church was not created to just be a check-in on social media or punch-in, punch-out weekly experience? I go to church. What does that mean? Can I just say this to you? You talk to people all the time. Well, I go to church. What does that mean? Well, I'm a believer. What does that mean? You're good. We're good at the wording. We're good at the statements. We're good at appeasing the masses with our, with our holiness. But the truth be told is, is if we go behind the closed doors, we're not doing it yet. You can't just be a hearer of the word and not a doer. You've wasted the moment. It becomes dead letter. And God says in this moment, I need the church to become stronger. And how do we become stronger? Not with bigger worship sets, not with greater preaching. We become stronger when we become one and we stop dividing ourselves and we stop talking about each other and we stop gossiping about each other and we stop trying to ramrod the church and we stop trying to take it away from the one that agreed to take on the assignment of being the pastor of the house and stop. I'm so tired of talking to pastors who are pastoring churches that have wolves in their house or snakes. Wolves are destroying and snakes are biting. And they're trying and they're worn out because sheep, they want to claim so much wisdom, are actually fairly stupid. Because here's the truth of it. God says, I built the church so we could come together, not so we could separate from each other. What if I told you the church was created to strengthen you, to encourage you, to challenge you, to edify you, to cause you to go deeper, higher, and farther than you ever could have on your own? What if I told you that the church was created to love you but not to judge you? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, let, let's go here for a second. Ah, this isn't even my notes. Let me talk about this. Okay, here it comes. So we're sitting in church today, and homosexual walks into church. Oh, did he say homosexual in the church? Yes, I did. You know what most churches would do? They, they got to go. They're not like us. <laughs> but Jesus would have left the crowd to get to the one. Can I, can, I, can I tell on myself for a second? I grew up in the church where you were very... Turn or burn, very, very heavy fisted from the pulpit. When you said things sometimes, it just shut everybody off. And a pastor told me one day, he said, Brian, if you're driving down the road tomorrow and a car's on fire, 
and you want to go help them because they're trapped in the car. And we were talking about how to deal with as a pastor with these kind of issues. And he says, and, and you go to that car and, and they're burning. They're about to burn to death. Are you going to ask them, hey, are you a homosexual? He said, no, you're going to save them. You don't care where they are. You're come, you've come to, he says the same thing Jesus did. Jesus didn't come in with prerequisites of your past to determine where he wanted to take you in your future. He said, I stand at the door of your heart knocking, not those who have already received me, but those who are far from me. I stand at the door of your heart knocking, asking to come in. I am waiting to come and be a part. I desire to be a part of your existence. And so because of that, this is what we've got to do. We've got to stop ignoring people that want, well, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Let me tell you why you can't. It's because you haven't gotten free yet. Because only the bound believer can't walk next to the bound sinner. Because uh, you don't want to be associated. But if the Christ that dwells in you has delivered you and set you free, you now have a desire to see others become free. What if I told you the church was created to love you, but not to judge you, not to create any preconceived, not to create any preconceived ideas based on your past or even your present, but celebrate where you're headed in your future with him. If God can forgive you of your past and separate it as far as the east is from the west, why can't you? Hmm. What if I told you that God himself created the church because he knew that we couldn't do this in our own or on our own? I don't know what is going on on the screens, but Lord, touch them. And he has caused others like you and me to come to this place in order for us to do this together. Do you know that God has brought you here for a purpose? Stop right there. Do me a favor. Don't touch any more screens. Do you understand that God has brought you here for a purpose? That is 12 of y'all. So let me try it one more time. Do you understand that God has brought you here for a purpose? Do you? Some of you still aren't answering. I'm going to keep asking until you do it. If I have to sit here another 20 minutes till you finally say yes. Do you understand that God has brought you here for a purpose? If you can't say yes, get up and walk. Because you are wasting your time and energy. Because if you got up this morning and dealt with your 3.5 kids that fought you to get out the house, and you're not here for a purpose, something is mentally wrong with you right now. <laughs> Luckily, I leave early. Amen. My wife comes in. She's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. You. Okay. Seriously. At some point, you got to understand why you got up this morning. Well, I got up, and, and because in Southeast, Southeast Louisiana, we go to church because that's what we do. We, we, we just go to church, and, and we do our time, and then we go home because we're more concerned about lunch at 1130. And pastor better be done by 1130 because I'm going to be late in the line. You're going to be late in the line regardless. Because let me help you with something. If I'm holding you up from lunch, you might just hold yourself up from heaven. Sidebar. At some point, we've got to know why we got up this morning. Why are you breathing right now? Why is there breath in your body? Why is blood still pumping through your veins? So you can look good to your neighbors? So that the world can say, oh, look how much stuff they got. No, so that you can declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. So do you know that God has brought you here for a purpose? Yes. He strategically placed you in this house. Well, Pastor, I'm just visiting. <laughs> you think. <sighs> I'm going to prove it to you. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Watch what it says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. 
For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Stop, 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 stop. Let us think of ways. Doesn't say wait for the pastor to give me the way. It said let us be ahead of the program. Let us be proactive rather than reactive. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Can I just sidebar? Sidebar. Okay, I grew up old school. You didn't miss church. Can I get amen from somebody? Sorry, it's hot up here. I I grew up, you went to church, kicking and screaming you went to church. If you were sick, my mama would tell me, go to church, God will heal you at church. Amen. Amen. You just went to church. You didn't fight so much. But today's culture fights the assembly of the brethren in one accord. Why? Because this requires accountability. This requires you to be who you say you are rather than just play it on social media. Rather than just post pictures that make you look cute. Rather than, yeah, I, I was having a conversation with somebody today about social media and, and, and how it makes people appear when the truth is not there. Stop trying to tell everybody how happy your life is. Just be happy. Why is it we got to prove to everybody how happy our lives are? Look, look what I have. Look what I'm doing. Look how great my life is. I went to Florida and didn't post one stupid picture. You want to know why? Because I didn't care for you to know that I was out of town, number one. Number two, people won't come to church if I tell them I'm out of town. Oh, pastor's not here. I don't want to come to church this Sunday. Then what are you gathering for? If you're gathering because I'm charismatic and I'm wild and I make jokes and it's funny to be in church, then stay home. If you're coming here because you have been woken up with a purpose this morning to receive the word of God and to come hear that word and to let that word dwell on the inside of you and to take the tools out of this house and apply them to the people on, your, on the left and on the right of your house or, or to reach the lost or to go to work and demonstrate the power of God, then great. But if we're just sitting in a room so we can tickle our own fancies and post it on social media, I was at church today. Leave me off your Facebook. Because it's not changing anything. Just because we come to church doesn't make us better. It's what we do with what we're in this room with. He said, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm going to say this to you. And I love it if you will say, Pastor, is he coming? Baby, he's been coming. I believe this with all of my heart, that the, that the end time started when Jesus left the earth. I don't know if you watch history. I don't know if you see what's happened over the last thousands of years, but it has gradually done this for a purpose because it is getting us an inch closer. But let me say this to you. Do not get your eyeballs so focused on the heavens waiting for his return that you forget your assignment while you're breathing. Your assignment on this earth is not to stare off at the clouds waiting for the trumpets to sound and the clouds to split and the white horse to come. Your assignment while you're on this earth is to take the God that dwells on the inside of you and deliver it to other people so that they can be free so that when the trumpet sounds, we can all go home together. I just, I just can't wait to go home. Can, can I just say this to you? And, and this might offend people. And if you say this, I'm sorry, but to eat it. If you come to me and say, I just can't wait for him to blow the trumpet. I can't wait for the, I can't wait to go home. 
That is a coward's way out of not being obedient to what he told you to do while you were here. Because if you are focused on getting home, you're not home here. <laughs> Thy will be done on as it is in Oh, help us. But God, I, I want to get to heaven. But, but I'm trying to bring heaven to earth, and you're causing a break in my flow. I'm trying to bring heaven down to earth, and you're... You, okay, I'm going to change my word there. You're causing a dam in my flow. I want to say constipation, but it didn't sound right. I immediately felt convicted by the Holy Spirit for using the flow of God and constipation in one sandwich. You're here for a purpose. I'll wait for you to get past your poop moment. Amen. We're better together. Okay, watch this. Watch this. I can be the pastor all day, but if you don't show up, what am I here for? Huh. You can be members of the church all day, but if I don't show up, what are you here for? See, it takes all of us to come together. It takes the worship team to come up and lead us in worship as we press into the presence of God because worship always leads us into the Word. Always. 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 Don't flip it. You'll screw it up. You try to get the Word before worship, you're going to be jacked up. Your spirit man is not going to be right. Worship leads us. There's a reason why we all put in the work that we do. There's a reason why greeters stand at the door and smile at you because sometimes we walk in in bad moods and we need somebody to be happier than we are. Why do you think we do coffee once a month? Because I need you to get in church early. Amen. And I need you like, oh, on a Sunday. I was mad I wasn't here last week. I wanted to see how you acted. There ain't nothing like caffeine on a Sunday morning. Donuts. We, we put out the, what, what, the safety team. Why, why is there a safety team? So your babies are protected. Hello. Kids church workers, man, let me tell you something. You should walk, if you got a kid in kids church, you should go to every kids church member every Sunday and fall down at their feet and thank them for watching your crazy children for the last two hours. I didn't say worship them. I said thank them. Hello. Like, I owe you a debt of gratitude. I will cut off a finger here. Whatever you got to do, like do something. Slap a high five. Give a hug. Find something. Listen, it takes all of this to happen. If we don't come together, then we might as well just stay home and play TV church. But I haven't found in my scriptures yet where it said sit at home and watch TV. Because here's the truth of it. You can sit at home. Somebody told me this. I said, Pastor, I, I, I enjoyed sitting at home watching on the TV, but it wasn't the same. I said, why? He goes, it didn't feel right. I was missing something. I said, what were you missing? That's what he told me. He said, See, don't get offended by this. I said, what? He goes, what were you missing? He goes, I missed my family. I said, good. That's what I needed you to miss more than you missed my preaching. I need you to miss the collective gathering, not the preacher who stands at the pulpit, not the worshipers who sing from the platform. It's the, it's the connection to the person sitting next to you. And even if you don't know the person, they're still there to strengthen you and to help better you. He's placed you in this house to motivate and encourage the one sitting next to you, in front of you, or even behind you in the things of God. Listen, don't ask me what your purpose is in this church. Your purpose is sitting around you. Mm. Pastor, I need to know where I'm supposed to serve. Open your eyeballs. Your mission is right next to you. 
Can I help you with something? Did you know Walmart is a mission field? No, I just want to get my junk and go home. Okay. Then you're missing your assignment. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. This morning, this morning, I went and got a coffee this morning. Praise the Lord. Got a coffee this morning. And I I ordered my coffee, and I get to the window, and they messed up the order. And most of us would be like, that's wrong. That's not what I ordered. But I could see the perplexed faces inside because it was like order after order after order after order. They were stretched out. And she looked at me, she goes, I'm so sorry, we'll fix it. I said, stop, stop. It's not that big a deal, it's just a cup of coffee. She's like, oh. And she went from like this to, oh. And it's the funny thing is she had a mask on and I could still see her smiling. Because I am called to a mission, and that is every person I come in contact with, that they might see God more than they see me. They might wonder, why is he not upset? Why is he not angry? Why is he not frustrated? Why is he not losing himself? Because I have the joy, the peace, and the happiness, and the promises of God dwelling on the inside of me, and I don't need to be frustrated about a long line at Walmart, or I got a park in the back. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You might get a parking spot in the back of Walmart, because God needs you to walk. Or maybe, just maybe, he needs to discuss something with you from your car to the store. Because you're going into the store to buy something you shouldn't be buying. And you've convinced yourself that you have to have it and God's going, hold up, you're robbing me to get what you want. See, you, we miss it. We, 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 we always are about us, 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 me, 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 me. Somebody took my chair in church today. You don't own a chair in this room. I've threatened the church for 15 years to take all the chairs out on a Sunday morning and let you just come in and figure it out. Oh, I'm not staying. There's no chairs for me. I'm not sitting on the floor. I'm better than the floor. Then you would have never been around Jesus when he was sitting on the mountain. You'd have been like, there's no chairs here. I'm leaving. The message isn't that good. You wouldn't have sat and waited. You wouldn't even gotten in a boat and tried to follow him. You'd be like, nope, I'm good. He checked out. I'm good. He treated him like Elvis. Elvis has left the building. See, this is, we're so bent on our own. Well, I don't like his preaching. Why don't you like, he's too loud. Maybe you need loud. Because quiet wasn't getting you there. Maybe you need somebody that's a little pumped up, a little high octane. Maybe, because look, man, sometimes churches. (laughs) Rubbernecking. Anybody rubbernecking in church? Y'all know it's like this. Y'all ever done that? Uh, I never forget we were kids and uh, we were we went to a Baptist church because my, my my stepdad was uh, he was not into the Holy Spirit movement at that moment in his life and and so we we attended a Baptist church and I never forget my older brother's leaning up he just sits there and there's a woman sitting next to me he just goes and falls asleep on her shoulder and my parents are like oh my gosh and the lady's like it's okay let him sleep and I'm like dang why couldn't I have sat next to her this morning. But we were bored. Amen. Um, there, there has to be something bigger about this gathering. What if I told you, you can't serve in the house until you serve somebody around you? Ooh. What if I told you, you can't have a title or a position in the house until you learn how to serve the ones that are sitting in this room on a weekly basis? Because here's the thing. Servanthood is learned and it's taught. It is not something you've perfected. Because let me help you with something. Every servant has another level to grow. I 
I can still go. Uh, the last time I was in, in Modesto at my pastor church, I cleaned the bathroom. Pastor, you're a pastor. You, you're a pastor under Pastor Clinton. Why are you cleaning the bathroom? Because I went in the bathroom and the bathroom was dirty. Well, they, that's somebody else's job, but they weren't doing their job. And I believe in the house of the Lord. And I believe that all things should be kept good and in order. I believe in quality and excellence in the house of God. So I went in and cleaned the bathroom. Pastor Glenn looks at me and goes, Brian, where were you at during the first service? I said, I was cleaning your bathroom. What were you doing cleaning the bathroom? It was a mess. I wasn't going to leave it that way. Then I felt bad because then he called like four other staff members into the back room. And it's like, I need to talk to all of y'all. Brian cleaned the bathroom and why weren't you? And I'm like, that's not why I did it. Why are you making me look like the bad guy now? What are you doing? But the truth be told is, is that I don't need somebody to ask me to do something to pick something up. It's like this. I see a piece of trash. It's not my job. Not my job. Okay, can I just go one step further? Can I, these aren't even my notes today. I'm going to take it out of the church for just a second. I'm guilty of this, so I'm tattling on myself first, but I know you're in the room too. Have you ever picked up something at the store and got to the register to pay for it and decided you didn't want it? And just put it on the counter? Be like, it's not my job. I've been guilty of that. Anybody want to join my club? Okay, we're going to do that, right? right? But here's the truth of it. Is that right? See, everybody's like, oh, Pastor, you got to throw me under a bus right now. Let me say why it's not right. Because we're operating in a spirit of me rather than a spirit of we. See, we doesn't exist on Sundays. We exist outside of Sundays. We exist when we go into the world, and they're not saved, and they're still sinners, and, and we demonstrate that we attitude to them. Better together is not just in the church. Better together is when we leave the church, and we're still better together. Better together is when somebody cuts you off and you not give them the finger of blessed assurance. But you reach, you just say, hey, it's cool. We're good. We're good. We don't need to be upset. We can move on. Like, we, it, 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 better together means that we're not so quick to be angry, not quick to be frustrated, not quick to discredit people, not quick to walk away, but that we desire to love one another regardless of where they are in life. He's placed you here for the benefit of the ones sitting around you. And for them to be a benefit to you as well. He's placed you in this house to motivate and encourage the one sitting next to you, in front of you, and even behind you, in the things of God. Can I just say this? And I don't mean to just harp on this. He didn't ask you to be the pastor. He called you to be a sheep in this house, to love on other sheep in this house. Stop disregarding them. Stop ignoring them. Well, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't act like me. They're not my age. They're not. Shut up. They're sheep. And they need you. Because the God that dwells in you desires to dwell in them. Love them. Your purpose is right in front of you. It's time for us to be better together. Look back at this verse real fast. I got, I'm sorry. I got so much more to do in a little bit of time. Look it back with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. And this is this one piece of scripture that I want to focus on for just a moment. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Can I read this to you one more time? Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Real trouble. How many of you feel like at moments you're all alone? And it's being alone where you fall into trouble. 
Big Rob, can I use you for a second? Come here for a second. You know what, while I'm in this moment, Ethan, come stand up here. Uh, uh, Scott, come stand up here. Rodney, come up here. Danny, come here for a second. You guys stand right over here for just a moment. I'm going to use Rob for just a moment. You guys stand over here by Ethan for a second. And that says in the scripture, says two people are better than one. In other words, walking alone is never going to get me where, but when I connect with someone, I can be stronger. Watch this. You might want to take me on by myself, but if I'm standing next to Rob, you might second guess yourself. First of all, have you seen how this brother looks like the rock? <laughs> just saying. Like the first time I met him, I'm like, bro, do you realize, like, if you pop that eyebrow just one time, you know you look like the rock, right? <laughs> and he's like, huh? Okay. But here's the truth of it. It doesn't mean, I'm not, I'm not referring to his stature. I'm not referring to his strength. I'm referring that two are better than one. Hmm. Here's the problem in the body of Christ today. We spend church like this. And then we complain to God while we're struggling. God, I don't understand why it's so hard. God, I don't understand why. Because you won't connect to something other than yourself. God says, I created the church to bring you strength. When you come into the room you got to get next to somebody that's going to bring you strength or you might bring them strength. Here's the great part. I don't need to know what Rob's going through. I don't need to know the details of what Rob's going through. My responsibility is to walk up next to him and go, hey, bro, I got you. We're in this together. You mean you're not going to leave me? No, not matter, no matter how hard it gets, I got you. You mean even when I'm tired, I got you because I hope that you'll do the same for me when I'm weary. When I start to stumble, I hope you'll pick me up and hold me up. I hope that you'll do that so that when you get where I go, come on, man, I got you. We're going to get through this thing together. But we're not doing that anymore because this is what we do. Oh, that sucks for him. Let me go worship God. I hope he makes it. I'll be over here on the other side of the fence. Well, we'll be over here until you come back. Hey, brother, you're still in sin. Hope you're doing well. Sinner. Chelsea Raleigh's on his sin, just playing on his life. I don't care about him. I don't care if he makes it. I don't care if I make it. What if I told you that you won't make it if he doesn't make it? Ooh, that one hurts. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if the prerequisite to getting into heaven is determined by who you brought to heaven with you? I'm not saying that's what the word says, but just what if. I've often thought that, that I know God's full of grace and mercy and love and joy and peace. I know he's full of this. But what if, what if, because I didn't accept my assignment to be better together, that God says, I don't know you because you didn't know me, because you didn't demonstrate me, you didn't show me. But God, I went to church every Sunday, and I lifted my hands when pastor said, lift my hands, and I sang all the songs, and I, I read the scriptures, and, and, I, and I did all the things, and I, I even went to discipleship and heart of a believer, but you didn't do anything with it. You just started in classes and hoarded information, but never applied it to anything. And know what happened? In the process of your existence, I put a person like Rob next to you who needed a brother and you didn't even love on him. You walked away from him because he didn't look like you. His color skin was different. He was, his attitude was different. He might have been a little louder than you were, but I put him next to you so that you could bring strength to his life and he could bring strength to your life. And because you ignored him. Move out the way, Brian. Rob, come on home. See, we, we don't ever think about it this way. We just think about filling time slots. Go to church on Sunday. Look what I did. I went to church. While not realizing that Rob is the church. This is the church. 
Walmart, people at Walmart is the church. You know that one that cuts you off in the line or assumes that you're not moving fast enough, so just slides in front of you, and they got the cart full to the brim with stuff? Well, you got three items? <laughs> Let me just sidebar real quick. That is a lesson for you, just so you know. God allowed for that to happen because you lack patience. And he wants to see how far you're willing to go before you lose it and pop your top. <laughs> He's going, I'm working with you right now. I'm trying to build endurance in your life. Just suck it up, buttercup. We're going to get through this thing together. And you have to bite your tongue and be like, because your mouth can ruin your witness. Okay. So, so Rob is the church. But watch this. You know what comes with Rob? Jennifer, Gianna, Roman. The whole thing. See, here's the great part. You don't get to get Rob without that. So you know, I just want to love Rob. I want to love Jennifer. You're lost your mind. Because that's the other half of him. And his children are the fruit of that love. So now you have to realize that this whole family is the church. So if you get involved with one, you get involved with the whole clan. Suck it up. Welcome to the ride. This is what God's called you to do. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I like that one, but I don't like that one. That's the devil. You got to like that one and like that one. We don't play favorites in the church. Okay. Good. It's hot up here, isn't it? I tell you, I'm sweating too. Thank you, bud. So because this is an interactive message, let me give you one more bit of scripture just real fast. Because I want to drive this point home for just a moment. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 18, it says this. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men were... These men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Let me, let me just move this over for just a second so we can really demonstrate this. Rodney, why don't you call up on that cot for me for a second, Bubba? Now, we've tested this. I know it works. You're not going to die. I promise. If you do, we have good liability insurance. Amen. Okay. Now, there was a lame man who was outside. Now, people have taught this point of Scripture for years, literally saying that his friends are the ones that picked him up. That is not biblically accurate. Let me show you why. Because friends that choose to allow a friend to stay broken outside and be in pain and be lame are not friends at all. They are caterers to his affliction. They were not friends. They were passers-by. Now, we don't know. We don't know if they had already seen Jesus or they were actually on their way to see Jesus. We don't know. They just said that they were on their way. They were moving through the neighborhood. And they saw this man on a bed laying down who had been lame for years. And then the men said, hold up. We got to take this man to see Jesus. Now, hold on. This is what I'm trying to get to you. We ignore those who are hurting and broken because we deem it is not our responsibility to bring Jesus to them. Okay, prove it to you. When was the last time you saw somebody in a wheelchair that you ignored? Well, I, I, I don't want to infringe on their space, but maybe they need you to. Maybe they need you to pray. I remember years ago, Tiff and I saw uh, two paraplegic people sitting outside of, home, of Office Depot. And they were sitting there. They would sit there like every day. It was crazy. Like they just sit there, like a the little tube in their mouth, like paralyzed, waist down, neck down. They just sit outside. I don't know who put them there. I always thought, man, that's jacked up. Just drop the brother off in front of office, demon, just leave him there all day. But they would just sit there. And one day, Tiff and I said, let's go. We, we need to go pray for him. But we had to run an errand. Hmm. It's going to work with you on our side of it. 
And we said, God, if they're there, we'll, we'll, when we come back, we'll go pray for them. When we came back, they weren't there. And God said to me, he said, Brian, I didn't call you to put me off. I called you to accept the assignment. Even when it inconveniences your schedules. And we went back a couple of times like we're hoping that they would be back. Hoping they never came back. At least not to my knowledge. I don't think we ever saw them ever again. I don't know if God placed them there to teach me a lesson. Or I just missed it altogether. But this man is laying outside. And so four men come to carry him to Jesus. Now, however y'all want to position it, y'all work it out. Okay, so, so it says that he came in to pick him up. So, so go, ahead, go ahead, pick him up. Go ahead, pick him up. Go ahead, pick him up. Now, I would just say you're probably going to grab here because if you grab there, that's going to dislodge and we're going to be in trouble. And then Rodney's going to take a ride. Amen. Okay, now, now, now they picked him up. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, put him, put him back down. Put him back down. Put him back down. Did you notice something? They didn't ask him his political affiliation before they picked him up. Are you a Biden supporter or a Trump supporter? He support. He said he supports Kanye. Amen. <laughs> you know, I, I I contemplated going and like stealing somebody's Biden or Trump signs. I didn't want to take anybody off. Then I thought about going and buying T-shirts, and I could just imagine what people would be thinking. Like, <gasps> he bought a Trump shirt. <sighs> he bought a Biden shirt. Okay. They didn't check his political affiliations to pick him up. They saw his pain. They just said, hey, you're in pain, and we know who can deliver you. Let's get you and bring you home. Okay, okay, pick him back up. Pick, pick him back up. Is he heavy? Not bad. So Radon said no. Danny says, yeah, okay. Good. All right. I'll put him back down. You notice they didn't check the color of his skin before they picked him up. Hmm. Such polarizing times. Had we just done it right from the beginning, we wouldn't be where we are. Had we just loved our neighbors as ourselves, we wouldn't be in the predicaments we're in right now. Had we just been a godly nation or a godly people, had we just conformed to his word, we wouldn't judge a man by the color of his skin but the content of his heart. They didn't check. They didn't even check to see what year his J's were. Like they, they didn't care. They didn't ask him what iPhone he was carrying. It is an iPhone, right? It's an iPhone. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, pick him back up. You know where I'm going, right? Put him back down. They didn't even check to see if he was saved yet. Oh, sidebar. It's amazing that we'll only pray with those who've already received prayer. But we have a hard time praying for those who haven't been prayed for yet. Because we deem in our own heads that they won't receive it. But yet they are begging for someone to come alongside them and to bring God into their lives. I've watched people who are far from God, people who are completely rejecting God, allow me to bring prayer into their existence. All I had to do was ask. That's all I had to do. They didn't check to see, hey, how did, did you come out the womb saved? Did you, have you been walking with Jesus your whole life? 
Or if you sin, if you sin, I can't help you. I mean, I can't help you. Like as if we have the power to break the bondage of sin. <laughs> okay, hold on. All right, pick him up one more time. We're almost there. We're almost there. Almost there. Nah, put him back down. You having fun yet? Ronnie's about to go to sleep. Amen. Can I just say this to you? Church, believers, we have to stop pre-qualifying people in order to help them. Watch this. When you want to buy a house, you usually get pre-qualified. Pre-qualification to buy a house tells you whether you're worthy to buy a house. Whether you are financially stable or valued enough according to man's numbers to purchase the home that you desire for you and your family. What is amazing to me is the church acts the same way the financiers act. Because we tell you that in order to do certain things for the kingdom, you have to achieve a certain status. Or you have to be perfect. Or you can't have any errors. I almost did it. I decided not to. But I could have put up my mugshot. Yes, you are being led by a pastor who's been to jail four times. Hope you like it. Because that's the package you get, Jack. It's not getting changed. That is life. That is my history. Welcome. I was a liar and a thief. I was bad. I went to jail. I lost all kinds of friends and families. In fact, I turned on my family to get my own way. I screwed up some stuff. But the grace of God and me having people in my life that said, I will not allow you to die in this. Had I been by myself, baby, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be married to her. And I wouldn't be have these four amazing children that I get the pleasure to be the father of. But because I had people around me who knew God, believed in God, and weren't ashamed to come near me and tell me, hey, Pastor, hey, Brian, hey, Brian, that, that ain't good. That I'm better now than I was then. Now watch what it says. It says, it, says, uh, it says in that same verse, in verse 19, it says, so they, they picked him up. So they picked him up. I'm trying to get him to work with me. So they picked him up. Okay. So they picked him up. And they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. I'm just kidding. God. Y'all can put it back down there. That, Danny was going. Danny was like, we're going. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going our way. Ronnie, just hold on, bro. We're going to get you up there somehow. All his hands, through the roof there. Oh, there he goes. All right. Now, watch what it says here. It says, they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd. Where? Right in front of Jesus. Watch. In order for us to be better together, we must lead each other to Jesus and not ourselves. Listen to what I'm telling you. Put your ministries down and pick up Jesus. Lead them to the Father, not to your agendas. Lead them to the Father, not to your parties. Lead them to Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that's going to change them. It is not 
you. It is him. Make them dependent on him, not dependent on you. Listen, I have learned this thing as the pastor, that I have to get out of the way so he can become your way. I don't need to be your source. I will love you. I will encourage you. I will talk with you. I'll break bread with you. I'll drink coffee with you. I'll hang out with you. I'll do all those great things that a shepherd does with his sheep. But when it all comes to the end of it, I'm going to look at you and tell you this to your face. Have you consulted God? If you tell me no, I can't do anything else. Because my voice, my mouth does not supersede God's authority. We have to lead them to Jesus. Dependency on man will corrupt your pursuit of Jesus. Let me prove it to you. The mega church, prime example. And I don't mean like big church. I'm talking about the mega church. I'm talking about the celebrity pastor church. That's what I talk about when I say mega church. I don't mean large churches. There's a lot of great large churches that really do it right. Then there's some that the pastor lives on a cloud that no one can exist on. He is not, he's not accessible. He's not relatable. He's not, he lives in a world that no one lives on. And so he comes in and goes out and comes in and goes out. He's, he's the face of the church, but he's not even shepherding the church. Okay. Watch this. Watch. The mega church took on this thing because what happened was is that we, we started creating pastors who needed armor bearers and entourages. Let, let me say this to you. I don't need anybody to carry my Bible. Because if I make somebody else carry my Bible, it's probably because I don't carry it myself. You caught the Holy Spirit. Look at you. He said, he said, pick up your mat and rise and walk. Amen. Dang, Rodney, I thought I picked the lightweight on that thing, man. That's all right. That's all right. Just hang loose for a second. Don't run off at Rodney. He's like, great, wonderful. I'm going to be the viral video on YouTube today. Wonderful. He said, he goes on in verse 20. He says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Notice, notice that the scripture does not say seeing the paralyzed man's faith. It says seeing whose faith? theirs, the four, the four who would not let this man be alone, the four who knew he had to see Jesus, the four who didn't care where he came from or what he had been through, but only cared about getting him to Jesus, seeing their faith. Let me say this to you. Sometimes it will require your faith to help someone out of their moment of despair. This has to happen so that we can be better together. Pastor Ben, come on. Guys, thank you. You broke my collar. I'm just kidding. You didn't break it. It's okay. I I wanted to bring this message for one purpose. In two days' time, the course of this country will change. Or will it? Watch this. We go, this is, I watched somebody's slogan, this is a vote on the referendum of a nation. The only reason that a vote would cause a referendum on a nation is because the church silenced itself and stopped adhering to the word of God. And we've gone quiet in the middle of all this. And we're not louder than the voices of politicians. I, I, I weighed very heavily in my convictions based on voting or not voting. That statement of, well, it's the lesser of two evils. 
I know there are some of you in here that are staunch Democrats. There's some of you that are staunch Republicans. But what if I told you none of that matters? What if I told you that the only thing that remains the same is the word of God? The truth of God. The promise of God. God. Yet we will live our lives distancing ourselves from people who do not think like us. How dare you be a Democrat? How dare you be a Republican? If you vote for Trump, you're a racist. Liar. If you're a Biden supporter, you're a socialist. Liar. Who gave you the right to put a name on me? Who gave you the right to tell me who I am because of what choice I make? That's between me and my father, not between you and me. And if you can disconnect from me based on a decision that I make, rather than pray for me and walk with me and stand with me, even though I might not make the right decision, or I might make the right decision, regardless, see, the truth of the love of God is it doesn't abandon when it doesn't look perfect. Can I just say this? And I'm, I'm, every week I tell my wife, I'm not going to deal with the situations in the culture. But every week I feel like I've got to. You want to know why, how systemic racism stops? When you stop seeing people of an opposite color of you in this room as people of opposite color. And you embrace them and love them. And you say, hey, listen, until you're better, I'm walking with you. Until you can be at peace, I'm not at peace. Because if the tables flipped, my God, you would want somebody to do it for you. But isn't that the love of God? Well, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to say anything. I don't need you to say anything. You know what I need you to do? Grab your word and pray. You don't see me screaming about protests and all this other stuff. That's not my place. Pastor, that is your place. That is your place. No, I am in this world, not of this world. <laughs> My mind is with Christ. My mind is in the word, and I will love you like I love everybody else. And let's be honest. We have all had moments where we did not love each other. We've made assumptions. We've made character judgments based on skin color, social economic positions, finances, house sizes, cars being driven. They're not, they're not on my level. You stupid. Don't do that. Because it could be that one person that you're ignoring that would be the greatest blessing in your life. That person who doesn't have everything that you have but is an amazing prayer warrior and will come with next to you and pray you through. Because they've learned that through the hardships of life, they have found a place called their knees, and baby, they know how to pray. Maybe, just maybe, that we could get over ourselves long enough. Maybe, just maybe, we could get over ourselves long enough to love each other, to put aside our differences. There is a gentleman in this room that I've had a conversation that point blank told me, I vote Democrat. Praise God. Pastor, how can you say that? Do you know what the Democratic Party... Shut up. That is foolish conversation. Because it is rejection and it is not of God. 
You are called to love your neighbor as yourself, not based on what they choose. But say, come here, I got you. We're family. Because the same God that created me is the same God that created you. It's been nice driving down the street with no political signs. Because I'm not being reminded of the division that exists. If I stood up here today as your pastor and said, I just want you to know I'm voting for Trump. There are those of you in this room that would cut me off, disconnect from me because you would assume that I'm somebody that I'm not. Or if I stood up here and said, I'm voting for Biden and Kamala Harris, you would cut me off because you would think I was a purebred socialist and believe in abortion. Shut it down. If I'm making the wrong decision, pray for me. And ask God to speak to my heart because him speaking to my heart is much louder than you speaking to it. What if the church just decided we're not Republicans, we're not Democrats? What if the church said we're going to start a new party called Kingdom? Look, if you look at my voter's registration, I am a non-party affiliate. You know why? Because I don't identify by politics. I identify by the word. I vote according to scripture. You decide what that means. But I will tell you this. I will say this to you, and I don't care whether you like it or not. I believe... I believe, I believe that abortion is wrong. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm going to tell you that. I believe it's murder. Why? Because I've seen it. You want to mess with your head? Go home in the private time. Look up a video called The Silent Screen. You watch that video one time. You'll never think the same. My son asked to see it. He lasted five minutes. He said, turn it off. Life starts at inception. Your life started at inception. But that doesn't mean because I don't believe in abortion that I am against those who do. Or I hate those who do. Or I want to see them go to hell or fall apart or die because they do. You know what I'm doing? I'm praying God touch their hearts. God, I'll I'll stand with them through the midst of it. There's a woman named Cindy Collins in this city that stands with people that are deciding to get abortions and walks them out of the process because she shows them that there is life, not death in this thing. And that's coming from a woman that had an abortion. At some point, we got to stand up for what the word says, not for what the world says. So don't ask me who I'm voting for. You can assume all you want. But I will tell you this, that when I'm done Tuesday, my conscience will be clear. My word will be strong. My faith will be even stronger. Why? Because I'm going to do it based on the kingdom that benefits us, not my opinions that only benefits me. It is time that we become better together. Stop ignoring one another and love one another. Stop ignoring one another and treat each other with kindness. Not just in this house, but outside this house. You want to see the church get radical again? You want to see the church explode again? Then we got to take the church outside of the church and be the church Monday through Saturday and demonstrate the church at the Walmart, the gas station, the workplace, the school, whatever it is. You got to show God. 
Because better together doesn't mean just with the people that showed up to church today. It means with the person that's standing on the side of the road that says, I, I need money. Okay, I might not have any money, but can I pray with you? Can I stand with you? Can I, I, I saw a guy the other day. I literally, I couldn't at the time. Uh, there was other things going on, the, the way the traffic was moving, all stuff. But I got this compelling space in me to one day go pick up a homeless guy and take him to eat lunch and hear his story. Watch. Let me show you where most brains go. You know he's just going to lie to you, Pastor. He just wants your money. But the one who dwells in me will override any flesh in him. And as we sit at that table and talk, I believe that the God in me will begin to flow out. And it will fall into his heart. And he'll lay down his pain and his hurts. And he'll receive the God that I'm serving and walk out of that place free and never stand on another street corner again telling everybody he's homeless and broken. But maybe change the sign and say, I've been saved and set free by the blood of the Lamb. And I have a testimony to declare. And I'm just standing out here so somebody will listen to it too. You don't have to be a preacher to tell others about Jesus. You just got to have a good story. And I think all of you do. Everybody stand to your feet. Did you get anything out of the word today? Hope I got some more for you next week. Hopefully the AC will be working. Amen. Some of y'all are happy though. You're like, I didn't have to put my sweater on today. We like to keep it cool and crisp in here. Amen. Do me a favor. If you don't want to do it, it's okay. I know everybody's corona happy or whatever. But if you want to, you grab the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. If you don't, just say, hey, I'm good and swat them off. Like, I don't want to hold your hand. Don't touch me. It's okay, we're not going to judge you. There used to be this old song that, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we'll work what? Until he comes. Until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. Are we better together? Let's start acting like it. Because the world is wondering when the church will get it right instead of always telling them to get it right. When we go to people and we say, man, you need Christ, you know what they're looking at? You. And they're going, where are you at? Because if I can't see that in you, why would I ever come home? You got to show it outside of the church, not in the church on Sundays. Well, I'm going I'm to invite all the people from church. No, they're already here. There's a whole world of people out there that don't know yet or are hurt. If I, did a, if I did a lift your hands if you've been hurt by a church in this room, you may, how many hands would go up? That's me. I've been hurt by the church. God told us when we started the ministry, we'd be full of a bunch of people that got hurt by the church. We'd be a place that people could come home and be restored and then go and do greater. He never promised us a big church, did he? Never promised us a mega church. He never promised the thousands of people. The promise has always been we touch thousands, but it didn't mean thousands would be in the building. At some point, we got to be strengthened by each other. I mean, if I told everybody to break away from who you are and find a different seat right now, get next to somebody you don't know. Oh, pastor, don't do that to us. Pastor, don't. Pastor, it's going to be so weird. It's weird that you don't want to do that. Because until we desire for each other, we haven't found the love of God on the inside of us to love one another as ourselves. What we do is we say, I'll love somebody as long as they act like me or think like me or do like me. 
I love the fact that people are different. And you might, oh, well, I'm weird. You're not weird, you're just different. My kids are different. My wife and I are really different. We just are, and that's a good thing. Thank God, because we'd kill each other if we were the same. If there were two of me in this house, we'd, we'd be in trouble. If there were two loves in my house, chaos. <laughs> Judah's like, Judah's eyeball, he's like, amen. <laughs> Celebrate each other's differences. But walk with each other. I'm going to give you a challenge before we leave today, because we've already done salvation, so we're good. And if you need me to pray with you after service, I'll be here. I'll be more than happy to pray with you after service. But let me, let me say this to you real quick. I'm going to challenge you right now. I'm going to challenge you before you leave this place today to meet somebody you don't know. Now, you, can, you have the right to finish, so say amen, boom, out the door. Nope, not, not doing, I'm not doing it. Then I want you to ask yourself when you got into the car, do I, do I rather be by myself and alone, or am I ready to allow people around me so that we can be better together? You don't need me. We need we. Does that make sense? I'm not the source. I'm just the butler opening doors and saying, there's a way, walk in. <laughs> I just want to be a John the Baptist. Hey, <laughs> there's someone that's to come that's greater than me. One who I can't even belt the sandals on his feet. But let me tell you about. So that when you're in your moment of despair, you go, well, Pastor, Pastor, go to Jesus. I'm going to Jesus. Oh, there's so much freedom in that. That my dependency, my reliance is on the Father, not on man. But when we come together in this house, we're stronger. We're better. Because we make it better. Last thing. I know i got to shut up. One of the things I've prayed for for years, and I'm going to say it, I have prayed that this church would break the stereotype out of Southeast Louisiana when it comes to churches. And I've talked to individuals in this church about that, that my desire would not to be a Caucasian church, but to have what heaven looks like on earth. So I get Brazilians. Amen. And I get, I get Hondurians, and I get... Americans and I get Asians and I get I get all these different I get I get Creoles and I get Cajuns and I get I get everything and I get a big a big jambalaya pot a gumbo pot of people in the church and 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 we go this this is heaven and 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 yeah it might not look what you what you grew up in but here's the truth of it if we become really good at being there for each other we won't need it to look a certain way we'll find what we need because what we don't need is a cookie cutter box church what we need is the power and the presence of God to manifest in our lives in our homes on a day daily basis so that we can become better at doing what he's purposed us to do and so that when we come back together we can strengthen one another how many of you had a purpose when you woke up this morning how many of you believe God brought you here for a purpose I can't follow you home but I can say this here's the way walk ye in it go and do Go and be.
better together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family. I thank you, God, that you've got such great things ahead for us, such great moments ahead for us to do great things. Father, I thank you that voting and registration of politics doesn't even matter. It's not even going to cause a dent in the church. It's going to actually compel us to love even greater, to be even stronger, because we are not bound to political thought. We are bound to the Word of God and the promises therein. Father, today I pray that we as a people would lay aside our own agendas and pick up the agenda of the cross, the agenda of the Lamb of God. Father, I pray, I pray, I, Father, I pray that you would arrest our hearts this week. And let us love one another. Let us be there for one another. Let us embrace one another. Let us encourage one another. Let us motivate to love and good works one another. Let us do what your word has asked us to do. And this is how we'll change the world. It's nothing new. The old word says there is nothing new under the sun. Take us from this place today. Help us to get past ourselves. And realize that we are here to benefit each other and to strengthen each other. We are here to be better together. Let this week be an amazing week. Let us enjoy sunny skies and no hurricanes. Thank you, the hurricane season we are done with. And now we can move forward. Father, I give you praise for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.